I'm going to read from a very familiar passage, um, Luke 12, and um, I'm going to read from a couple different sections of it. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moths destroy. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is a very familiar passage about money and worry. Uh, But tonight I want to think about something in this passage. I want to think about the two worlds that Jesus talks about. He makes it very clear that we're to abandon one world and seek after another world. And I don't know about you, but when I read this passage, I often think, man, I'd like to be that kind of Christian that really didn't worry about what I was going to wear and the food. And I hope by the end of my life, I will be that kind of a Christian. But I think the vision that God creates, gives us through this passage is that that's what we're moving toward. We're moving toward being the kind of kingdom person who is not worried about these things because we're so seeking another kingdom. Jesus says that all the nations of the world seek after those material needs that money can buy. That's what all the nations of the world are doing. But in the world of Jesus, he says, I give you what you really need, which is my kingdom. When we disengage from the values of this world, we disengage from where our heart is inclined to go. Our heart is always going to be inclined to go towards the things of this world, to what we see, what we can acquire, to the pleasures and comforts we can secure. Jesus says, seek my kingdom instead. Growing up in Brazil, I was aware of the principalities of darkness that contended for that country. I was aware of the syncretism of demonic spirituality with the church, the lack of discipline, the blatant Uh, bales of promiscuity and sensuality. But every time I would step off the plane into America, I felt like I was coming under a different kind of principality. It was a dullness, some kind of separation from real living. And it felt like a lot of that separation from real living had to do with security, the sense of I am safe and secure and I've provided that for myself. It reminds me of a scene in The Silver Chair by C.S. Lewis, if you've read it, where a green lady keeps hypnotizing the travelers with the reiteration that what you see is all there is. There's just this lamp. There's no sun. There's just this room. This is the real light. 
One of the ways this principality, I think, in our country dominates those under its cloud is by convincing us that money is all there is in terms of what it can provide. It can provide security. It can provide a solution to our problems. And in the words of It's a Wonderful Life, where he said, it sure is helpful down here, you know, money. Um, Yes, it is helpful. But when we see that as what is the solution to our problems, what is going to secure us, we have come under a principality of this world. So how do we free ourselves from these principalities that can so infiltrate our thinking? Well, we have to live under the real sun, right? We have to live under what's real, the real light. We live under what is real and what we don't see by disengaging from what our culture puts forth, puts its faith in. And money is one place we can really do a lot of soul work with disengagement. In Hebrews, it says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? When we seek Jesus' kingdom, God's kingdom, we have to do it intentionally. We have to do it counterculturally. We do things intentionally that remind ourselves, I am of a different world. I really have a different first culture. A friend of ours who grew up as a missionary kid told a great story of their family leaving the mission field to go on furlough to the States. They lived in Colombia. And their father gathered them all around. There were five kids. He gathered them all around and he said, basically, nothing we have here is going to be of any value in the States. By the time we sell it and we exchange the money, we're not going to have money to buy anything in the States. Not what we really need. So I've decided that we're going to give everything away. Everything. So instead of hoarding and worrying and pinching pennies and trying to get as much money as he could from every item that they could sell, he sent the kids out to give everything away, starting with their motorcycle. And he said, take the keys down to Bob's house and tell him that this motorcycle is now his. So our friend described what it was like to go to this struggling missionary's home who didn't have a form of transportation and to say, hey, here's a motorcycle. We're giving it to you. And how that stayed with him his whole life. Of course, when they arrived in the States, that's a whole other miracle story of how God provided for them. But to live like that, one has to be a part of another culture, another kingdom, where the currency really isn't money, it's faith. We have to be disengaged from the world enough not to trust in the getting and spending that we so rely on. When we do intentional things like give away retirement money or nest eggs or give money that we should be saving for college uh, tuition, according to the world, we say, my father knows that I need these things. I seek his kingdom first doesn't mean that those other things are are bad or we shouldn't do them, but we just have to be available to God, whatever he says. Seek my kingdom this way. So there are two reasons to give that I want to talk about tonight. The first one is we give because we need so much. We need Jesus and we need his kingdom 
so much that when we give money away, when we give away the currency of the world, we say, I need something else more. I give this away because I need something else more, so much more. When I'm depending on money, even in my imagination, you know, money that I don't have, I can depend on the money that I don't have. I am believing that all there is is this lamp, this small room, this clouded place. When I, put, when I don't put my faith in chariots and horses, I break free and say, actually, what I need is so much more than what this world offers me. It puts me in touch with that reality. I acknowledge that I need that other kingdom. I need to be aligned with the real light. And giving this money away says, I'm of another kingdom in which I do not put my confidence in money. And I need this to shock myself into reality sometimes. We all need this. Stuart and I have agreed to give a percentage of our money over the course of our married life that forces us into regular dependence on God that sometimes is uncomfortable. This keeps us in a kingdom mindset. Um, And remember, being poor isn't virtuous in itself. I've met a lot of poor people that are just as materialistic as others um, because they think money is also the solution to their problems. Any one of us can think that there's security in money. Choosing to invest in the kingdom so that we're dependent on God's provision and direction keeps us alive in God. It just keeps us, instead of that dull place, it keeps us in the place where we're close to life. We're living. I need that unseen kingdom that is vast and cosmic and takes me out of my small existence of getting and spending So I give away money to rattle myself out of this grip of this principality. So we give because we really need so much. Secondly, we give because we have so much. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In that Hebrews verse that I read, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I always thought that this meant be content with the material possessions that you have. And when I was looking at it this, this week, I thought, oh my goodness, it's saying be content with what you have, for I will never leave you or forsake you. What I have is Jesus. I have God. I've done some reading in scripture on inheritance, and it's really convicting. Do I really live as if I have the inheritance of a kingdom? That there's this inheritance there for me that is everything I will ever need and I am provided for. The inheritance, Peter tells us, is incorruptible, it's imperishable, it cannot be shaken. And it's God's good pleasure to give it to us. He wants to give it to us. There's joy in his heart when he gives it to us. How does Jesus say that we access this inheritance? It's pretty frightening when you read this passage, what he says. He says, direct disengagement with your own possessions. 
direct disengagement. He says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. So he's saying direct disengagement from the things of this world and from our own possessions will bring us into contact with his kingdom. Now, sometimes that feels really uncomfortable to hear that he's giving us a directive about money and and saying that that's part of what's required in, in coming close to him. Well, it's because of the power money has, obviously, not just because it's money, but it's because of the power it has over us. He says that by this kind of direct disengagement with our own possessions, we will provide ourselves with money bags with his treasure. When we think of giving, we think that means we'll have less, right? If I give, I'll actually have less then. And then what am I going to do? In God's kingdom, in his economy, when you give, it means you gain something more. You gain something more from God that's a treasure. We don't always know what it looks like, and we don't know how it will unfold in our lives, but that's a promise. You get a treasure from him, an impartation, a closeness, a richness, a treasure that your money never could have bought. But here's the beauty of it, too. He says that not only will you get that, but you'll get everything else you need. I, need, I know you need all those earthly things. And I've already said I'll provide those. But now we have a treasure that our money never could have bought. When we give money away, we give it with the confidence that God has promised that all our needs will be met. He may re-educate us on what it is we need, or think we need, but all our needs will be met. As we disengage from this world's principalities, we enter the dominion of light where we have greater clarity of what is of value and what is not. When Stuart and I were discussing what to give in the first generosity initiative several years ago, I already had a list in my prayer journal of all the things we needed in our lives that we were praying for. And so when we started talking about how much we were going to give, it definitely felt like all these things on my list are now a waiting list um, of things that are not going to get done. So one chunk of money that we had talked about giving was our tax refund money that was always kind of our house fixer-upper fund. Um, And so I was like, okay, so things are just going to slide into disrepair. I know how this goes. Um, So I was crying out to God, just saying, I want to be cheerful in giving, and I want you to help me here disengage from these needs and my reliance on money to meet these needs. So God whispered back to me, can I not provide this and so much more? So on this list, I had a king-size mattress because we really needed it. We had had ours for a long time. And so I I gave that up to the Lord. To me, it was kind of a symbol of, okay, two more years of sleeping on a hammock bed. Okay, I'll do it for you, Lord. But after we decided, okay, we're going to do this, and the joy started coming in. I was confident God would give us everything we needed. I got this funny phone call from Minnesota. Did you mention to me that you needed a king mattress? I said, well, yeah. Well, I'm at a friend's house, and she has a $2,000 king mattress they've hardly used. It's not working for them, and she wants to give it to you if you need it. And guess what? I can bring it down for you when I'm coming in a month. 
which is another big part of the gift, if any of you know how difficult that is. I just got off the phone and I felt like God was laughing at me. Like, what's that, a mattress? I can do that anywhere. I can do that anytime. We had another situation in which we had a car breakdown and a computer breakdown all in the same week, and we had no money to fix either. A woman that we have never seen before or since come to our church walked in, and she said to a staff member at the church, I want you to give this money to, the, to this, you know, she indicated that it was Stuart, and she pulled this wad of cash out and just handed it to him and left. And so it was given to us, and we counted it, it was $2,000. What kind of person walks into church with $2,000 in cash in their pocket? I don't know who it was, and she's never been back. But I, again, it was like the Lord saying, I can do this. I can meet your needs. Just trust in me. Everyone wants a miracle story, but no one really wants to live in a way that they need a miracle, including me, I will say. Part of the, the joy of having money that's readily available is you get to take care of things and control things in your time and in your way. And I don't like waiting and figuring out how's God going to do this this time. But that is how he keeps us close to him. That is one of the ways he keeps us close. Because we have to keep talking to him about it. We have to keep waiting. We have to see what he's going to do next. We give because we do not belong to this world. This is not our first culture. We're kingdom citizens. And within the kingdom of God, as I said, the currency is faith. We discipline ourselves to be present to the kingdom of God, which is near. Years ago, we had a woman on staff who led a women's retreat. And it was her policy that the lack of money should never keep someone from coming to the retreat. That's always our policy here. But um, what she would do is to cover costs at the retreat, she would pass around an offering plate at the end. And in her vast experience in ministry, she was older, um, she had never had a retreat when the offering didn't cover everything that was missing. But this particular time, the offering fell short, considerably, by a few hundred dollars. Were you there, Val? I can't remember. Anyway, so when Pat was counting the money, she was surprised. And she said to the woman next to her, um, would you count this? The woman counted it, and it was a little bit more. So Pat said, oh, I must have miscounted. Here, let me count it again. When she counted it, it was even more. So they handed it to someone else to count. And they started counting it. And it was more. And then they just started passing it around the circle. And every time they counted it, it was more. Until it got to the amount they needed. Now, I was not at that table with Pat that time. when They were counting the money. But man, I always wish I... I had been. <laughs> I was like, how fun to be on that. But you didn't want to be on the front end of it, of well, how are we going to meet this budget? Um, you just wanted to be there where the miracle happened. But they come together. <laughs> they happen together. Why does God not do this for our budget? It would have saved us a lot of time. It would have saved Stuart a lot of time and energy and time away. Why can't Anne... And Dan and the staff sit around and just pass around and just keep counting 
And it goes up and up and up until we have what we need. Wouldn't that be easier? And it would save us so many man hours, right? New policy. New policy. God can really make money out of thin air, like he did that day. He can do that. And he does it sometimes. Why doesn't he do that for us? Because he wants our participation. He wants us to be part of the miracle. He wants us to be shaken out of the kingdom of this world, and we wouldn't have the chance otherwise, where we're trapped, hampered, and encumbered by our dependence on money, And he's bringing us into his kingdom and say, I want you to share in the miraculous. I want you to share in experiencing the kingdom where you don't have to rely on this with your heart in the same way, with uh, the money and the way this world leans into it. God invites us to be at the table where we need him and where he miraculously provides He says, give because you need so much to disengage from the principalities of this world. And give because you have the kingdom. And everything that you need is provided for. Give because you believe that I will give you what money cannot buy. Thank you, Lord.